Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I interview David Peppos, the writer of Scout's Honor by Aftershock Comics. Now let's get started. Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. I'm here with writer David Peposo. Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, David Pepos, but you know what? It, it, it is a choose-your-own-adventure last name, and I, I've heard every possible permutation, so it is no worries whatsoever. Let me try this again. I'm here with David Pepos. Is that correct? Yes, okay. The writer of Spencer and Locke, um, Going to the Chapel, and also I know you recently had your Kickstarter, um, the, the OZ, and also the recently released Scouts Honor. So, yeah. David, welcome to Comics for Fun and Profit. Thank you very much for being our literally our f- first interview for Comics for Fun and Profit. Thank oh, you wow. very much. What an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to blaze this trail with you. And I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm thrilled to talk about uh, Scout's Honor, uh, my recent Kickstarter, the OZ, yes. um, even going back to my, my breakout book, Spencer and Locke. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to dig into it with you. Thank you very much. A um, couple things I, I just want to, first off, I want to just be a fanboy real quickly. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Spencer and Locke came out four years ago about there. Uh, yeah, just about. It came out, I believe it was April or May of 2017. Because I remember reading in the comic shop newspapers um, the article about Spencer and Locke, and I'm going, oh my God, this sounds <laughs> so great. A riff on Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. The, only thing was is that some of the local shops here in Hawaii, they, you know, they, it's mostly the, you know, the main two DC sure. Marvel image. Right. And then, you know, I, I just automatically assumed they would order Spencer and Locke from Action Lab, but we never got it, you know, and, and four years later, now I'm talking to you, you know, the writer of this series, <laughs> the, the miniseries. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, no, I, I, it's my pleasure. Um, and yeah, you know, t- tell your shop if they if they missed out on Spencer and Locke, tell them to order extra heavy on Scouts Honor uh, uh, to make up for it. That'll help me out in a big way. Okay, that I will. And then one more thing, I want to say a big mahalo to you. Thank you very much. A um, couple weeks ago on Twitter, um, when um, Comics for Fun and Profit, the brothers Drew and Kyle, they picked one of your books as a spec pick of their week. You reached out to them to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm available for an interview. Let me know. So thank you very much for reaching out to, Absolutely. to us. Thank you very much. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's taken a, a real village of, uh, of retailers and readers and journalists. And I, I, I would not be where I am today without that kind of army of support. And so uh, I, I never get tired of doing publicity. I never get tired of chatting about the books. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm, 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 as somebody who has been on both sides of the uh, publicity and journalism table, um, this, is, this is fun for me. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Okay, so we're going to start off with basically, I just want to start off um, with your origin story. Like, where, where did you grow up? Yeah, um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I, I was raised in the Midwest. Um, and yeah, I'm a third generation comics reader. Uh, my mother was a comics reader. My grandfather was a comics reader. Um, so I, I came by it honestly. Um, I kind of came of age in the 90s. So things like um, Eric Larson's Spider-Man, um, the uh, 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 Infinity War, um, you know, down to crossovers like uh, Fatal Attractions, Nightfall, oh. Death and Return of Superman. 
um, that's kind of what, what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And um, my 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 career path, how I kind of got into comics, was a little bit of a zigzag. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I worked as a journalist um, uh, when I when I got out of college, but I had long wanted to do something creative. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I actually interned at DC Comics um, uh, when I graduated college. Um, I worked there the summer of two thousand eight. And for those who don't know what was going on then, there was, uh, you know, there was uh, Batman R.I.P., uh, mm-hmm. which will be important later on in the story, um, uh, Final Crisis, Green Lantern, Secret Origin, and also the uh, 2008 financial uh, recession. Yes. And so I, there were no jobs available at D.C. at the time. Uh, and to be honest, there weren't really a whole lot of jobs anywhere. Yes. And I lucked out in that... Um, an assistant editor at at a uh, at DC, uh, Janelle Aslan, who was uh, the uh, assistant editor on the Batman line. Mm-hmm. She had graduated from the industry news site Newsarama, oh, okay. and so she connected me with her former editor Troy Brownfield, who's really kind of been my mentor over the last uh, thirteen years. And um, so I wound up writing at Newsarama. I kind of I kind of moonlit there. Mm-hmm. While I worked uh, a day job as a as a crime and politics reporter for the Berkshire Eagle in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, wow. and um, yeah, so it was really kind of twenty four seven writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I wound up becoming the reviews editor at Newsarama. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. I wound up doing reading a lot of of other people's work, kind of mm-hmm. synthesizing their voices and kind of learning from their mistakes and figuring out what uh, which tools in their toolbox I kind of yes. wanted to use my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the same time, I was feeling a little restless. Um, I wound up going back to school. Uh, I went to, to Columbia University for their publishing program. Um, of course, I, I somehow kind of tripped and fell out of that into a job in television. Um, mm-hmm. I, I applied for an editorial position at Simon & Schuster. I was told that there were, they, they had to kind of cut that position short due to budget cuts. But I guess they liked me enough in the interview that they passed me along to their parent company, CBS. And so mm-hmm. I, I wound up working in uh, publicity and PR for CBS for about five years. Um, and it was really, you know, a really wonderful learning experience, kind of figuring out uh, the ins and outs of a successful TV show uh, yeah. beyond just what's sort of written down on the page or what's shown on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the different ways that CBS was competitive in the way that they would promote their work, the way that they would uh, figure out who's up, you know, who's, who are they going up against in terms of time slot? What are they leading the show into? Let's have something more established mm-hmm. that you can, you know, keep people on the hook for your new stuff. Yes. Um, it was really instructive for yeah. me. Um, at the time though, I was, I was still feeling pretty restless. Um, mm-hmm. At that point I had started writing some short scripts um, just to see if I could do it. Yes. And, um, Finally, I kind of got up the gumption to, I was like, all right, maybe I've written a bunch of shorts. Maybe I'll try writing a a single issue. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that single issue. And so I said, maybe I'll write an outline. And Mm -hmm. I wrote an outline for a whole series. And I said, I really like that. Maybe I'll find an artist just for fun, see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And um, then maybe I'll pitch it around and see what happens. Uh And if if you haven't connected the dots yet, that was Spencer and Locke. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember... Dave Dwanch, who was the uh, submissions editor at the time at Action Lab, and he's yes. sort of become another mentor to me. Um, I emailed them, and about 20 minutes later, got a response saying, how soon do you think you could finish this book? 
and uh, that's I'll, a one. That's a one in a million. That 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 ha- that will never happen to me again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, suddenly I kind of had this cold chill run down my spine. That mm-hmm. oh, I guess I got to finish this book. Yes. And um, I've been doing it ever since. Um, now I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I moved out here at the time, thinking maybe I would uh, I would work in television development. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I worked as an assistant. It was the hardest job I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most thankless job I've ever done. And at the time, Spencer and Locke was coming out and we were getting great reviews. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes the universe kind of tries speaking to you and sometimes you just need to listen. Yes. And that was like a big moment where I said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, maybe I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could do this. And yeah. so I've been, I've been writing comics ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, this has very much felt like kind of a leap of faith rewarded. In a lot of ways, yeah. um, this has been my astronaut job. It's mm-hmm. the best job in the world. It's a uh-huh. job that I can really eat, sleep, you know, and dream. And um, so, yeah, it means that I'm, I'm constantly taking a lot of swings because I write every single book like it's my last. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, before we continue again, yeah, can you tell me, um, because I know what Spencer and Locke is. Can you just sure. for any new listeners or uh, new readers? Yes. Know, uh, no, please. I'll take any opportunity to promote my other work. Yeah. Uh, for those who haven't read Spencer and Locke, um, it is uh, the best way to describe it is what if Calvin and Hobbes grew up in Sin City? Mm-hmm. It's the story of hard-boiled detective Locke who has to solve the murder of his childhood sweetheart yes. with an unexpected partner, mm-hmm. his seven-foot-tall imaginary blue panther named Spencer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story is very much, it's not just sort of a hard-boiled noir, but it's a really kind of a look at childhood trauma and mental illness and yeah. kind of the lengths your mind will go to protect itself from harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, we've come out with two volumes of Spencer and Locke, and we're hard mm-hmm. at work on the third one. Um, uh, those, both of those volumes were nominated for Ringo Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. They're sort of the, I would say they're like the Emmys of the comics industry, uh, alongside the uh, Eisner's. Uh, Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that was sort of my breakout book. People yes. seem to really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And um, so after our, our first volume, we decided to kind of spin off all of the comic strips. And so mm-hmm. uh, Spencer and Locke too, we did uh, Spencer and Locke versus Roach Riley. It was kind of our homicidal riff on Mort Walker's Beetle Bailey. And um, so I had described that book as kind of um, a taxi driver beats the dark Knight. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I'm really thrilled with that sequel. Um, it's part of the reason why volume three is taking as long as it is. Cause I want to make sure that we really like put in the work and the research yes. we're doing um, a Garfield themed serial killer, picking off the peanuts gang for volume mm-hmm. three. And um, without spoiling anything for people who haven't read the second volume, um, there was certainly some fallout at the end of our second volume. And so Spencer and Locke are going to have to really kind of put the pieces of their lives back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this this one last big case, wow. uh, so I'm I'm really thrilled with it. Uh, 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 my artist and co-creator George Santiago Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, this was our first. This was our big debut book for yes. the both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he 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 and I are uh, you know ride or die. We actually just finished uh, another project together um, uh, while he's been waiting for me to finish writing Spencer and Lockwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, you know, that was sort of, those were my, my first books at Action Lab yes. uh, mm-hmm. Entertainment. And um, 
that sort of spun off into my most recent book over there, which was uh, a book called Going to the Chapel. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was very much a very different kind of experience from something uh, I've written before. Mm -hmm. It was sort of a crime heist rom-com. And I, I've described it as a uh, diehard meets wedding crashers. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the story of the world's worst wedding. And it's, be mm -hmm. that's before the bank robbers show up. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Emily Anderson is a, is a wealthy heiress uh, and a bride with cold feet. Mm -hmm. uh, and before she can say anything, um, her wedding is hijacked by a group of bank robbers known as the bad Elvis gang. Uh, yes, I, yes. I read the first issue last night. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a fun book. Um, you know, it's very much, it's got a little bit of Arrested Development in there, a little bit of Ocean's Eleven. Um, and yeah, that book, um, uh, you know, I had a lot of people tell me that book couldn't be done, that uh -huh. that book couldn't sell. Um, it sold really well. Uh, we even got um, uh, some some praise from Patton Oswalt. Um, oh! Uh, who... Uh, he, uh, we share a local comic shop. They happen to say they slipped him a copy saying, you might like this. Oh, and, um, he wound up becoming a huge supporter of the book. Um, he was, he was tweeting about us every single issue. Um, just a really huge amount of support mm -hmm. that I, I, I've told him that I'm very grateful for it because somebody with, uh, you know, millions of Twitter followers does not need to be tweeting about my book. So I'm always grateful about that. That's um, yeah. And, um, so, uh, and that kind of, you know, that led right until the, the, the current pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, like we were talking about before we started recording, I was scheduled for 15 conventions last year. Yes. I managed to go to two, Long Beach mm -hmm. and C2E2. Um, the trade paperback for going to the chapel had just been released okay. um, about a month before everything locked down. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, um, I had just signed the contract for Scouts Honor. I had been working on mm -hmm. that. But... I had another project that had been long gestating uh, called the OZ. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, I had likened it to the Hurt Locker meets the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. um, it's the story of Dorothy Gale's granddaughter, mm -hmm. who is a disillusioned Iraq war veteran. Um, mm -hmm. She's come home back to Kansas to take mm -hmm. care of her ailing grandmother. But she's obviously, she's very much struggling uh, with coming back home. Um, and uh, one night, a tornado hits. Yes. And suddenly this new Dorothy finds herself stranded in the war-torn land of Oz. Mm -hmm. And we find out that because her grandmother killed the Wicked Witch and that split, it just caused a power vacuum. And so mm -hmm. Oz is looking a lot like Baghdad. Mm -hmm. right um, at the time, you know, I, I had two issues done um, mm -hmm. of that yeah. series. I had the whole thing written. Um, but, you know, uh, Diamond Distributors, they had their shutdown. There were a lot of publishers that were suddenly kind of really constricting their uh, submissions process. Yes. And um, as somebody who has, uh, you know, uh, has a, had a lot of friends with a lot of success on Kickstarter, I've been wanting to do a Kickstarter for a long time. And I realized that I could kind of solve one problem with another, that I could uh, find a home for the OZ and I could introduce myself to the Kickstarter community with really some of my A game. Yes. And um, so I, I launched my Kickstarter for the OZ, I believe it was in August of last year. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I was so blown away by the success. Mm -hmm. um, we, we wound up uh, uh, actually with our backer kit uh, funds in the back end, we actually wound up topping $50,000 for our first issue. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're hard at work on, uh, on part two right now. Mm -hmm. We're uh, about halfway finished with the art on it right now. Okay. So we're looking to, we're looking to launch that, uh, uh, I believe, another campaign in March. Oh, okay. All right. So, 
And then, yeah, that kind of brings us to, to the, 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 the reason you wanted to talk to me, yes. which is uh, my, my new book, Scout's Honor, uh, through Aftershock Comics. And um, David, that, I want to ask if we could just stop before we go into yeah. Scout's Honor. Can sure. I just go back to Spencer yeah. and Locke? Let's do it. A couple of things I just wanted to mention was, um, can you promote your website? Because it's yeah. going to to Spencer and Locke. Sure. Well, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, you can follow, you can go to davidpepos.com yes. and that's my author website and it's got information on Spencer and Locke. You can also visit the, uh, the OZ's backer kit page, which, uh, is, uh, sort of a working web store right now. I'm yeah. debugging my web store at the moment, so mm-hmm. don't buy anything straight from the website. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can, you can go to davidpepos.com. You can also subscribe to my newsletter pep talks uh, then- through, through my website or at bit.ly slash pep news. The other thing, because the reason I'm going to bring that up, because yeah. your newsletter has a free digital copy of Spencer and Locke issue number one. Yes. I remember. Uh, yes. And, and, and I've been doing that, you know, um, I want people who don't know who I am mm-hmm. to know who I am. And I, I want them to, to see what I can do. And I feel like Spencer and Locke has always been the most effective calling card that I've had. Mm-hmm. It yes. really sums up very much my voice and who I am as a writer mm-hmm. in the span of 22 pages. And so, um, you know, we did the same thing with our Kickstarter, uh, mm-hmm. for the OZ is that we, we, we had a, uh, any backer got the first issue of Spencer and Locke and go mm-hmm. into the chapel just to mm-hmm. sort of let people know, uh, that I've got range mm-hmm. and, and show people what I, what I, what I have in store. So yeah, if you, if you don't know who I am and you want to check out what I can do, also, if you're a Comixology Unlimited reader, um, you can also read the entire first volume of Spencer and Locke for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, check that out. Um, you know, if you have, I believe it's if you have Amazon Prime, you're a Comixology Unlimited yes. subscriber. Mm-hmm. So it's really like a win-win, especially this year. So, um, yes, definitely check it out uh, because especially, yeah, if you have Amazon Prime, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's you're not spending any money, so you, you might as well check it out. The only reason why I pointed your newsletter out because I was so thrilled to see that, you know, um, because I signed up for, if I remember correctly, I think I signed up for a newsletter because I got the digital copy, the free digital copy of Spencer and Locke. And I just want to say that, you know, I read it and it was like, wow, this is great. Thank you. There is one scene and I loved it where um, Locke is going, you know, this, you know, this city is, is bad it's cursed but then you go into a little bit more details of it's like you know the water is poison you really describe thank you oh uh, you really describe you know where he lives you could really describe you describe it in detail compared to let's say when i read because i remember reading like um old batman you know right i'm kind of old batman issues like crime alley there's no hope yeah. in crime alley and that's all it is, but yet it kind of looks like any other rundown neighborhood, you know? <laughs> you, you know, I, I got really lucky in um, the way that I came up with Spencer and Locke was um, Daredevil, The Man Without Fear by yes. Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. was the book that made me realize as a kid, oh, like real writers make these comics. It's not sort of done by committee. It's, you know, it made me really think about like an author's voice. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided maybe I would make a run at making my own comic, I said, you know, I want to do something, an homage to Frank Miller. What's the weirdest thing that I could throw up mm-hmm. against Frank Miller? And you'll find most of my pitches are start with what's the weirdest thing that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so um, I thought of a lot of ideas, but they all felt very gratuitous. They all felt rooted in shock value, which mm-hmm. is not what, what I traffic in. Mm-hmm. Shock can get your foot in the door once. It doesn't, it doesn't build any investment emotionally mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. readers. But when I thought of Calvin and Hobbes, the light bulb went off. You know, this idea of a hard-boiled cop who's been beat up and he's grinning in the rain and he's holding a stuffed animal. Mm -hmm. What's that guy's upbringing life? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's his home life like? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what has made him sort of cling on to this childhood security for so long? Mm -hmm. And the idea of, you know, why would Calvin have to so vividly imagine a best friend? Um, I have a nine-year age gap between me and my younger sibling. So I remember being an only child. And mm-hmm. I did not have imaginary friends. Like I just made normal friends. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of maybe this isn't a charming quirk, but something like a more sinister pathology. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, that's like, that's really, that's, that's, there's the emotional core to that. Mm-hmm. But to, to get back to my point is that um, by tapping into that sort of Frank Miller homage, yes. hard boiled, he's Spillaney, you know, noir voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to ha- take a little bit more liberties. You're able to be a little bit more purple with the prose. Yes. You're able to be a little bit more descriptive with it. And I think as, for a first time writer, mm-hmm. that was a real blessing. That sort of gave me, I think, a little bit of extra wiggle room mm-hmm. um, in terms of the way that this book was received. Whereas there are other genres where you, I think you have to be a little tighter with everything and you can't be as, um, as indulgent with mm-hmm. some of the imagery, but I love being indulgent with imagery. <laughs> um, and so as a result, you know, writing that kind of noir, that third person uh, or that first person perspective, um, that has been, you know, that was a real gift for mm-hmm. me as, as, as a first time writer. And um, since I've, I've written more books since then, I've come to realize that like doing narrative captions, it's double edged, you know, it gives you an extra depth to your story, which is good. Comics only have a limited amount of real estate. So mm-hmm. any extra layers you can do are great. But the downside is that means you are essentially writing the book again. Um, you're not just doing the plot panel to panel, and you're not just doing the dialogue panel to panel, but you also now have to have sort of this extra track uh, layered onto it of what's the character thinking in any particular moment and is this something that he's reacting to that's right in front of his face or is he more of sort of pulling back in the exposition mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's a challenging process um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's certainly one that um, is still evolving for me mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I having written now with narration and without narration I always of course, writing without narration goes faster for me, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it has its own challenges. And so, um, but yeah, thank you for, for, uh, for commenting on the imagery because especially for that first issue, um, I can still see, I can still remember what it was like mm-hmm. this being the first thing that I had ever written and kind of knowing yes. there's something here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that really kind of gave me the momentum and the excitement to bring that series across the finish line. And um, that really opened it, that changed my life. Uh-huh. It really opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and so uh, I'll always see that book as my baby. It was my firstborn and um, I'll always, I'll always be proud of it. Yeah. It's, it's the first issue. And I've got the, I'm ordering the trade through yep. my local comic shop, um, Dragon's Lairs. So I'm okay. waiting for the trade. Then I can read the whole, you know, yeah. whole mini series. All right, so I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you because we are going to get into your latest book. 
yeah. South Honor. Now, before I want to ask this question, um, Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit asked, you know, um, the, you know, um, were you a scout and what is the inspiration for Scouts Honor? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question that I can, I can answer at the same time, mm -hmm. which is, um, my brothers were scouts, my younger oh. brothers. Were scouts. I, I was not, I, you know, because I was the firstborn, I think my parents didn't quite have their act together with me. <laughs> um, uh, whereas, whereas by the time my siblings were born, uh, my younger siblings are triplets. And so mm -hmm. I think anything that could give them structure, mm -hmm. uh, any extracurriculars they could throw <laughs> them in Sorry. was, was, was very helpful. <laughs> so, uh, my younger brothers were, were both scouts for, uh, for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that was the initial kernel that made Scouts Honor is being the outside, being in the outside looking in because when you're the inside on the Scouts, you know, it's about camaraderie and it's about the practical skills and it's about time with your boys. And maybe sometimes there's a little rivalry going on, but like, you know, it's, it's about the structure of it all and, and, and finding that direction and that meaning. But in the outside, you know, you see the pageantry and you see the costumes and you see yeah. the laws and you don't have to squint that much to sort of think like this could turn into a cult. Yes. And um, when I pitched this uh, book to Aftershock, this uh, this book has been very different in terms of development than anything I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of places like an action lab or an image, for example, it's very binary. They want you to have your team together. They want you to have, you know, written an issue, yeah. come out with the whole outline, and then you, you, you pitch your thing. And it's very thumbs up, thumbs down, yes, no. It's, it, um, but places like Aftershock or Boom, they want to be... Uh, they want to be more hands-on and they want to help you with the development. They want to sort of help bring, they, they want to sort of take your vision and their vision and kind of turn it into, into something else. And so um, I've, I've been pitching Aftershock for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why I'd said earlier about my story about Batman RIP being so important is the editor on that book was Mike Martz, mm -hmm. who is now one of my editors on Scouts Honor. Mm -hmm. And so I've known Mike, uh, you know, for a very long time. And so I, I've, I've wanted to work with Aftershock for a long time based on the, the great experience I had with Mike at DC. And um, I had pitched them a number of ideas. And Scouts mm -hmm. Honor was really the one that they really latched onto. Mm -hmm. And so I started developing it. And there were a lot of different iterations to that. And different twists and layers to the plot were added on with every new iteration. Um, but uh, what, what I think was interesting about that book is they... I think recognize how prescient it was uh, mm -hmm. before even I did. Um, and so, you know, things like kind of the, 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 the culture of toxic masculinity that we all have to navigate and sort of the, the fetishizing of, of the military and survival prepping mm -hmm. things like sort of the rise of this kind of evangelical thinking, you put that in a cauldron, you, for 200 years, you throw a couple nuclear warheads at it. Suddenly the Ranger scouts don't seem, you know, that far fetched. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there was a point to all this and, uh, and clearly I've been talking enough that I, that I, that I, I don't necessarily remember what I was trying to say. Uh, but I, I feel like, um, oh, I remember where I was at now, mm -hmm. uh, which is the, the way that this kind of the kernel of this idea and how it came to be to answer Drew's question. Um, I've been watching a show called The Path. Uh, it's on Hulu. It's terrific. A lot of people slept on it, starring Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Yes. Um, but the story is about a Scientology-style cult. And mm -hmm. what happens to Aaron Paul's character 
when he tries to leave the cult? What happens to him? What happens to his family? What happens to kind of the second in command of this cult who's really been kind of staring everything behind the scenes because their L. Ron Hubbard figure is mm-hmm. on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that show, um, you know, because yes, there, there, there are people who are at loggerheads with each other, but there are no really like outright villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the sort of the belief structure they're on opposite ends of the same belief structure and that's what causes the conflict. And I had thought to myself, what's the weirdest thing that I could use as a Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea of the boy scout manual that really, that clicked for me. Mm-hmm. The thing that really kind of surprised me though, as I dug into this book and as I really started fleshing it out in the characters, I didn't realize how autobiographical it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, I grew up in a pretty conservative upbringing, mm-hmm. um, pretty conservative house, both politically and religiously. Um, I'm, a, I'm a practicing Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that I really, my political and religious reawakening, my spiritual reawakening yes. really didn't happen until I left home, left home. Yes. And I suddenly realized that all these, there are so many things that I had taken as gospel, all these pillars that I, uh, uh, that I had believed in, I suddenly found out, oh, like, it's not really, that's not really accurate. You know, the way I was told is not actually how the world is working. And it was really disorienting for me. I really had to kind of figure out, like, how do I re-navigate the world and still stay true to Mm -hmm. my ethical values and spiritual values, but kind of reorienting and recalibrating. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so much of that is, I think, represented in Kit's journey in Scout's Honor. Um, without spoiling too much about mm-hmm. the, the book, it's it, it is the story. It's of a, a post-apocalyptic cult that have risen from the ashes of a nuclear war, mm-hmm. and their Bible is an old Ranger Scout manual. Mm-hmm. And so we jump ahead uh, uh, over two hundred years, and we see how this cult has developed. Mm-hmm. And Kit is our our protagonist, and is really kind of the embodiment of all the good things about the Ranger Scouts of America as yeah. they've tried to take back the irradiated Colorado Badlands. Mm-hmm. There's just one twist. Um, this is a sort of a hyper-masculine patriarchal society that yeah. only allows men to serve. Mm-hmm. And so Kit has had to conceal her identity as a woman mm-hmm. in order to pursue her true calling as a ranger scout. Mm-hmm. And she's a true believer. And that's going to make it all that much harder when she makes a really horrifying discovery that cuts back all the way to the ranger scout's creation. Yes. So she's going to find herself losing her religion mm-hmm. uh, as she really embarks on a, on a very dangerous quest for the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she, it, it, I thought it was really interesting that, um, you know, it's not like this is a book about a supervillain. This is a book about um, secrets mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, how blinding the truth can be when you sort of rip the veil off. Yeah. And where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, one, you know, there are some, there are some bells that can't be unrung. Mm-hmm. There are some things that can't be unseen. And, you know, as we sort of go through this journey, Kit is going to kind of go through those five stages. Yes. Uh, kind of, you know, of, of sort of, you know, did I see what I thought I saw? Mm-hmm. And then sort of going through a quest, well, I have to verify this. And it become the dangers become twofold. It's not mm-hmm. just the apocalypse. It's not just the, the, the radiation and the monsters and the raiders outside the compound. Mm-hmm. But Kit is going to have to find herself starting to navigate the people that she's grown up to love and trust the most. Mm-hmm. And um, that really spoke to me mm-hmm. um, you know, because when you strip it all down, this is the story of kids in a small conservative town and what happens when you don't fit those rigid 
gender roles mm-hmm. um, and sort of how do you how do you navigate mm-hmm. the world and and um so yeah i think it, you know it's been a really rewarding story to work on yeah. um the, the world building has been so much fun kind of uh, you know building up the apocalypse and seeing how the boy scout imagery fits in and also finding the religion in all of it mm-hmm. um it's unlike anything i've written before mm-hmm. i uh i think it's a fun companion uh piece to to my work on the oz but they're very different books yes mm-hmm. and um i i struggle to think of of another book on the stands that's quite like it yeah um i read the first issue on comicsology my you. lcs was sh- I'm sorry. I'm kind of digressing. My LCS <laughs> didn't get their shipment. I I I don't know why. <laughs> I've I've heard that there. Once you leave the continental U.S., that the, there's been like shipping delays all over the place. So I I, I totally get it. You know, uh, no, it was the highwaymen that 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 took your books. No, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> because the highwaymen <laughs> are the raiders in your books, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And 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 they will have you know, they're they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it, it, seeing sort of, you know, there are two sides to every story, um, uh, you know, that winds up becoming, I think, a big through line uh, through this book. Okay. But I'm um, sorry. So I'm going back again. So, you know, I read the first issue. I'm not going to spoil the ending. But, you know, I, you know, it's like I really loved it. It's really great. Um, I'm not going to, I just wanted to go over some of it. I just wanted to ask a couple questions because I, because when I was, I saw the image of Kit. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, to me, like I said, to me, Kit almost looked like an Archie Andrews character. Sure. You know, so much. I remember talking with uh, my artist on the book, Luca Casalinguida, mm-hmm. and talking with my editors, Christina Harrington and Mike Barnes. Yes. Um, something that I wanted was I wanted to make sure that Kit was kind of an androgynous figure. Oh, yes. uh, you know, somebody like, you know, Kristen Stewart was one of the names that I threw out there when mm-hmm. we were designing the character. And, um, and some of it, I, I tend to lean towards redheads in my, in my books. And I'll, 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 I'll admit some of that is a cheat because, you know, you, you get to see from a distance, you know exactly who it is. Yeah. Um, but what's so interesting about Kit to me as a character is um, the idea of her being a woman came fairly late in the development process. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I, it, I had, it was something I sprung on Aftershock in the initial outline. And I think that's the reason why they went for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not something I talked about in, in, the, in the original log lines that I pitched them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was me solving one problem with another, which is something mm-hmm. I like to do. In that um, I came up with this idea and Aftershock loved it. And then I immediately realized, oh, geez, like, it's 2019. How am I going to do a book that's all dudes? Yes. You know, um, <laughs> and I, I thought, you know, that like that just feels a little tone deaf given you know the, the market right now. Yes. And then I realized, like, okay, like let's lean into that. Like, mm-hmm. what happens when you're the one woman in this sort of you know hyper masculine cult? Yes. And it wound up having, I think, a lot of dramatic friction. You know, because every moment that Kit, every move that Kit makes. She has to have a guard up. She can't let things slip. There's only one person who knows her secret. It's her dad. Yes. Um, even her best friend, Dez, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't know this about her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's tragic. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, yeah, the way that Luca really kind of realized her mm-hmm. uh, 
I, I was so thrilled. Um, Luca is just a, a, a top tier artist. You might know him from his work on James Bond or Lost Soldiers over an image. Um, when Mike and Christina told me that Luca was available, mm-hmm. I'd actually reached out to Luca years ago about another project. And uh-huh. he'd been, he's busy with James Bond. So I was thrilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's really done some incredible work with this book. Um, and, and, and not, you know, including, um, the expressiveness of mm-hmm. Kit and Des and, and shit and Scoutmaster Shepard and, and the other yes. members of the book. Um, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic book, so you automatically think action, but I honestly think Luca might even excel more at the quiet moments. Yes. You know, sort of the moments where you see the gears turning on mm-hmm. these characters' heads. And, um, I feel like he really kind of... I can only imbue so much emotion in the script, mm-hmm. you know, uh, without having a really talented actor of an artist be mm-hmm. able to kind of convey that. And I, I think Luca has done a really terrific job. And um, yeah, I've been I've been thrilled to, to work with him uh, on this project. And um, yeah, seeing the way that he brought the Ranger Scouts world to life. Yes. Um, you know, it was he did a lot of the heavy lifting there, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm really thrilled with what he came up with. And I'm gonna say I, me too, because it was um, because I own, I'm gonna only touch on one more character, yeah. Scoutmaster Shepard. Yeah, the image of Scoutmaster Shepard. When I was reading and looking, I was like, oh wow, this is it, it's it's a little, it's a yeah. little it, it's a little creepy because the robe, how mm-hmm. the robe looks. How yep. Master Shepherd looks. It was like, yep. oh, was was. I, I had said, I think military Jesus. You know, yeah. um, uh, that was that was my direction in the script. Scoutmaster Shepherd is it was has been such a fun character, right? I mean, I guess he's the closest thing to a villain that Scouts mm-hmm. Honor has, but he kind of isn't. Like, I mean, it, it's it's, you know, he's the political and religious leader of this cult, um, the survivalist cult, and. You know, yeah, there's a degree of pride to it. You know, you don't want, you know, you, you want your way of life to continue. But in the apocalypse, like, these survival skills become very crucial. Mm-hmm. And so he, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. He sort of sees himself as the last bulwark between, you know, civilization and oblivion. And mm-hmm. so I get why he's, you know, he's so harsh and why mm-hmm. he perpetuates this structure that, you know, might be a little corrupt because he thinks that the ends absolutely justify the means. Um, and seeing his dynamic with his son, Des, yes. is kind of one of my favorite parts of the book because Kit, Kit's the big picture thinker in terms of her journey. And, um, you know, she, once she's on the track, there's really kind of, you know, she's on the track. Mm-hmm. Whereas Des, Des is kind of the Loki to Kit's Thor. Yes. Uh, you know, he, he's always coming in second best. Mm-hmm. And as the son of the Scoutmaster, he's got scrutiny on top of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And, this is a mild spoiler for issue two. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it more there. But one of the reasons I wanted to introduce Des was I had thought, you know, if life is hard for a woman in the society, how hard would it be for somebody in the LGBTQ community? Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you boil him down, Des is, he's the closeted son of the pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard way to live your life. Yeah. Um, and I think the tragedy of Kit and Des's relationship is that they are lifelong best friends who each don't know a crucial secret about the other. Yeah, yeah. And that is going to kind of put them, that's going to make their friendship curdle. And mm-hmm. it's going to turn, it's going to spiral into a pretty bitter rivalry. 
mm-hmm. that'll play out over the course of this issue or the series. And I think Kit and Des and and sort of their their dynamic with Shepard and their dynamic with their religion and their religious figure mm-hmm. um, that becomes the backbone of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really kind of, I think, gives a human per, uh, set of personal stakes to mm-hmm. this sort of otherwise kind of highfalutin spiritual quandary that Kit finds herself in. Um, because, you know, that's the difference. It's not academic to yes. them. This is their life. This is their culture. Mm-hmm. And how do you, you know, these, but at the same time, these are people that are sort of stifling themselves and be, being really kind of suffocated mm-hmm. because they, they have to keep who they are secret. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something I think a lot of people can relate to. I think yes. no matter who you are, you know, and in you know, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you could be a straight white cis guy, and they're still living authentically is hard to do. Yes, there are a lot of pressures and expectations that are put on everybody, mm-hmm. and so it's it's hard to even sometimes articulate mm-hmm. who you really are and what you really want. Yes, let alone living it. And so I think that's an ongoing struggle for a lot of people. And so being able to, to dive into that and really drill into that with my characters um, mm-hmm. was a, a particularly rewarding process. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, let's see, two things I wanted to follow up with um, sure. Scout's Honor. Um, Scout Master Shepherd. Was yeah. that an intentional name that you wanted or was it, in, you know? yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, I mean, first off, obviously, you know, having the scout master handle was very important just to yeah. the iconography of the scouts, but yeah, I, you know, I shepherd, I yep. was, yes, it was very much sort of, you know, it's, it's, you, you think of the messianic imagery, you think, uh, you know, of, of the leadership imagery, it felt like the perfect name for him. Okay. I will say, <laughs> uh, though that wound up causing some complications down the line, uh, when I was developing the script. Um, originally, um, so Des, that was his third, the character's third name because (laughs) I, 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 I realized very quickly that I, I can't call him Dax Shepard, (laughs) who is an actual (laughs) human being, uh, or, 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 or even Dex Shepard. Uh, I was like, I, I was like, oh, I got to change that. I like... (laughs) I, I, I want to say that I, the book had already been approved and mm-hmm. I had already turned in my first issue script. And then I yeah. realized like, Oh, I can't Dax. Uh, I think my girlfriend saw it and she's like, isn't Dax Shepard a person? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the name was, was, was fully intentional. I okay. get, I, I get in my own head a lot about character names. Yeah. Um, I, I've said that I spend a lot of time on uh, baby name websites and popular surnames um, okay. because constantly like what like fits together. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that it's like thesauruses for uh, it's pun sites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much a stickler for wh- what the characters names are and what's mm-hmm. the title of the book. Cause yeah. I feel like if I don't have it. It, it doesn't click. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know that's like very fussy and precious, mm-hmm. but like that's, I can be kind of as as as, as uh, spontaneous with the plotting as I need to be, but if the yeah. names don't sound right, uh huh. Um, so yeah, I definitely I thought long and hard about what I was going to call these characters and sort of what that might represent mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of imagery. Even Kit's father, um, Glenn, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the idea of sort of like, well, you know, what's some like kind of forest imagery that I can put out there for this book about Boy Scouts, even yes. in the apocalypse. So. Um, 
yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was, it was, it was quite intentional. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the second thing I want to touch upon, um, Scott's on is the back, the incredible back matter. Thank you. I was reading that and it's Scoutmaster Shepard is going, this is our badge. This is the, and, yeah. and he writes and he writes where this is where kid excels. This is where my son, you know, yeah. uh, you know, um, thank you for saying that. It, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I'm usually not a big believer in back matter, you know, cause honestly, like how often can you say that you've read back matter? That's like, interesting and like worth the money Mm -hmm. but um this was a confluence of a lot of cool stuff coming together at once Mm -hmm. um some of this was um uh aftershocks head of marketing steve rotterdam Mm -hmm. i've known steve for a long time he was at dc when i was at dc Mm -hmm. and he i think he and mike uh along with the company president lee kramer they really all three of them together kind of went for a full court push to to getting uh, getting a book with me out the door Mm -hmm. And Steve, when I had pitched this idea to him, mm-hmm. he said, well, you, we got to do merit badges. And I was like, oh, yeah, way ahead of you. Because mm-hmm. the idea of the merit badges being seen as a little bit of communion, but also having this military element of saying, wow. I know the skills of my platoon just by yeah. looking at them. Um, it all felt really cool. And so um, Steve and, and the Aftershock crew, we, we were talking for a while about, okay, we want to offer um store incentives we want to offer merit badges for any store that orders 20 or more copies yeah Uh, we actually have 14 merit badges we have uh uh, merit badges for each of the uh, the various covers that we're doing Uh um and uh, so meanwhile aftershock usually does back matter on the books Mm -hmm. and so it felt like a win-win that i was like okay let's explain Mm -hmm. all of these merit badges and the cool thing was um that was actually the last part of Scout's Honor that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd already written all five issues. They'd already been turned in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luca, I had drawn all of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, and so um, it was a great way for me to sort of look back on the whole series and yes. then kind of seed in some of the foreshadowing and also a way to say, okay, I know what's on the page as far yeah. as this is concerned, but are there other layers that I can add to it? What's the mm-hmm. religion of it all? Mm-hmm. And so things like, for example, um, the explosives merit badge, which yeah. is kind of my favorite of all the merit badges, uh-huh. because they say the world was born in an explosion. Yes. Sometimes that means overwhelming force is the only thing that can make a change. Uh-huh. But on the other hand, you know, these scouts are obsessed with figuring out like uh, 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 blast wave radii and payload composition uh-huh. because they say if you don't respect the bomb, you yes. could be the thing that gets consumed. Uh-huh. And growing up as uh, growing up Jewish, I think was a really important part of this book. Um, I, I, this book would not exist without that, um, because um, you know my spiritual journey is very different than that of my parents, and very different than that of their parents. Yes. But Judaism as a culture, there's a wide spectrum of belief and a wide spectrum of practice, going from sort of sort of secular cultural Jews to mm-hmm. Reform Jews to conservative to the Orthodox, Orthodox to the Hasidic community. It's a religion ba- built on literary criticism. Mm-hmm. You have five different rabbis analyzing the same passage, giving yeah. 10 different interpretations, and then we keep all that apocryphal material in the margins. Mm-hmm. And so uh, finding the religion in all of the imagery was particularly fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was also, I was also really fortunate. Um, my, my partner was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and she, she is no longer a member of the church in the wake of the uh, priest abuse scandals. They, she was so disillusioned yeah. and saying, how can I be a part of an institution that has 
swept this stuff under the rug. And that conversation really kind of made, made the basis of Scout's Honor. Mm-hmm. Because Kit, ultimately, she, she wants to maintain her ethical and spiritual values. Mm-hmm. But she also has to navigate this human institution that yes. is, is flawed and corrupt and has is, is hidden its own sinister secrets. Yes. And um, that, that together, you know, sort of, of, of my partner and I, you know, of our own sort of spiritual conversations mm-hmm. and our own kind of journey together. Um, that was really kind of heartening to put that on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I've always long thought about Jewish culture in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, how can, how can we get away from, you know, the Schindler's list of it all, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, there are certain ways you can approach it and where it's, 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 if not Judaism as a culture, the Jewish way of looking at things. And I feel like Scout's Honor, to me, feels like the most Jewish book I've ever written uh, in, in that regard. And I think the back matter was something that really solidified that. Oh, okay. sort of, that was my way of kind of solidifying the Ranger Scout cult and mm-hmm. being able to codify it beyond sort of the seven scout laws that kind yeah. of uh, are, are sort of the guiding lights, their, their, their Ten Commandments, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but those badges... It was a great way to foreshadow the book, but also to be like, okay, but like, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. an underwater infiltration badge, yes. like, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, we can tie that in to the Battle of Black Ridge, which was mm-hmm. sort of a big scout victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's just, you know, it's fun little ways to kind of flesh out the world mm-hmm. and a little bit more detail in, in a book that I think already goes really heavy on the world building. Yeah. And it makes the scout culture feel so much more vibrant and three-dimensional mm-hmm. and um, and certainly gave me a lot of wiggle room and a lot of different directions that I could take the book. Oh, okay. The thing I really appreciate about the back matter was it was Scoutmaster Shepard describing it. It's not like, you know, it's not a cold hard fact. This is what, you know, explosive badges. And, and you know, no, it's, he's writing and explaining it. And then he's also, again, like I said, he puts his personal thoughts in like, you know, um, you know, Kit was better, you know, it does well yeah. in this. I, you know. And- Why does Des keep stealing the armored personnel character, the carrier? Yes. Yeah. You know, so it's funny, you know, like we were talking about with Spencer and Locke, how like the Frank Miller homage, like gave me more elbow room. That's one of the reasons I've loved writing Scatmaster Shepard is like, he's a, he, he loves to speechify. Yeah. And so, you know, he, you're able to get a little more purple with the pros and you're able to get a little bit more poetic because that's his job. You know, he's a mm-hmm. religious leader. And so, yeah. you know, these are people who they speak in metaphor mm-hmm. and they, 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 they want to draw up imagery in your mind. And there's something, there's, there's, there's something a little bit more formal in the way that he speaks. Yes. And that, that way I'm able to sort of have my cake and eat it too, because you have somebody like Kit and Des who they're very plain spoken, mm-hmm. but you're able to, you know, build the world and the exposition of the world a little bit through Shepard in the way that he does his speeches and it doesn't feel out of place and it doesn't feel weird, but it's this very grandiose way Mm -hmm. of, of, of moving through the series. And I think it, by virtue of doing so, it builds him up a little bit as, as a potential threat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, how smart he is. And you know how much he's thought this thing through. Um, but it also, yeah, it's been like, it's, it's a nice little cheat for me as a writer mm-hmm. because they can say, oh, like there's something that I need to introduce like in the, in, in the script. 
sure, let's do two pages of, of, of a speech from Scoutmaster Shepard where he very much outlines exactly why the Ranger Scouts have come together as a cult and what they believe in and, and who their uh, Messiah is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so being able to really dig into that mm-hmm. in the fact matter, it, it, it kept it from being a chore because <laughs> Scoutmaster Shepard has such a unique voice to him. Yes. And like you said, he's got an agenda as well. You know, um, you know he, he wants the Scouts to be the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And so he's sort of, you know, on the one hand, his son, who's been kind of, you know, a little bit of a slacker, mm-hmm. he says, all right, let me pit him against his best friend and like see if that's the thing that sort of makes my son finally come to his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, he's very impressed with Kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because, you know, Kit has passion for mm-hmm. the job yes. and Kit is built for the job. Yes. And Kit, despite needing to fly under the radar, does a terrible job of flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's going to, that's going to draw attention. And so far Kit's been really lucky that it hasn't drawn the wrong type of attention, mm-hmm. but she's yeah. got a couple of targets on her back at this point. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the, uh, getting Scoutmaster Shepard's attention is probably the worst thing that she could do right now. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, she she can't hide her light under a bushel. And mm-hmm. so that, I think, makes it, um, you know, that, that puts them on, 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 uh, on a collision course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask two more questions about um, Scout's Honor before we move on to your future book. Yeah. So. Um, Drew has a question, you, um, you know, and it can be with any of the series, either um, Spencer and Locke or, um, you know, uh, going to the chapel or Scout's Honor. You know, do you write a full script? Yes. Um, I write, um, you know, probably the closest person that I see, um, I, you know, Tom King's scripts, I think, feel pretty similar to mine um, in that we're both pretty Spartan in the details. Mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of like water skiing, you know, like I have to kind of get from point A to point B to point C. And yeah. I really don't, I, I, I just go as quickly as I can because if I stop and dwell on the imagery, mm-hmm. um, I, I lose my momentum. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I definitely, I write full script. Um, and then usually what I've done, and it's been a little different with Scott's Honor, but usually, you know, I'll have a pretty in-depth conversation with my artists about mm-hmm. like the layout and thumbnails of it all. Um, and then, you know, my letter will usually do a pass and then I'll realize like, oh, this line is way too long. We got to trim it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's honor. It was actually a lot more streamlined. Um, it, it really, the, the process behind it felt like just as much in common with work for hire as it did create around mm-hmm. in that there was no time for handholding or long conversations. Um, you know, Luca was churning out an issue about every six weeks. Oh, okay. Um, and th- that is, that is a blisteringly fast speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, or any professional artist, let alone one of his caliber. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the way that that wound up working is um, I realized very quickly, oh, I got to like kind of beef up my descriptions. I got to start using reference art a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly made, it's made me a little bit more of a flexible and nimble writer um, and, and figuring out how do I measure twice and cut once. Mm-hmm. Uh, as in this case, I was not the central editorial conduit anymore. So yeah. I could, you know, it wasn't all coming through me. So I couldn't say like, all right, like we got to fix this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. I was coordinating through my editors and my mm-hmm. editors were the ones kind of figuring out, is this a battle worth fighting? Is there a way that you can fix this in, in the lettering or the coloring stages? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that, yeah, I, I definitely write full script though. Okay. Um, I know there are some people who can do the Marvel method. 
a, I'm not there yet. Um, you know, and I, I think um, my art teams thus far, Luke is by far the most experienced person I've ever worked with. Most of the people that I've worked with, this is their first or second book. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, to make sure that I don't burn them out as well yeah. as stress me out, I always, I, I try to be as, as uh, deliberate as I can be and exacting with the directions uh, because that way it's hard enough for just to draw it and to draw it on a, on a semi-regular deadline mm-hmm. that um, yeah, I want to make sure that, that everybody has a script uh, well okay. ahead of time. Okay. Um, thank you for answering that question. Last sure. question about Scott's honor is you want to add anything else about Scott, you know, Scott's honor, anything yeah. weird. Sure. Yeah. Well, you can, so the, the final order cutoff for uh, issue two is going to be this coming Monday. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, you can pre-order issues two and three. Now um, you can tell them to add all five issues to your pull list. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. pre-orders, I don't have to tell you are so important for indie books like ours. Um, and, you know, selfishly, you know, I want, I want my publisher to know that I I'm coming out swinging. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I have, this is the biggest platform I've ever worked on. This is Scott's honor. Number one was the highest selling book that I've ever done. Uh, by a, an extremely wide margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, I, I think I can say, and hopefully Aftershock won't be mad at me. You know, we sold more than 10,000 copies of the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that there, there, there will be higher numbers coming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I want my publisher to know that I'm coming out swinging. I want to do more books at this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, pre-orders are huge for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, there's, there's lots of fun stuff coming. Uh, especially issue three. Um, if you thought the Ranger Scouts were tough, what does an Eagle Scout look like in this world? Oh. Uh, to see kind of what does it take to become an mm-hmm. Eagle Scout in this world? Um, but yeah, lots of fun stuff coming up with that. Um, you know, uh, Luca's work has been terrific. Our colorist, mm-hmm. Matt Nilla, has really kind of elevated everything to, uh, to a whole new level. Um, and our letterer, Carlos Manguel, has just done such a terrific job at making uh, every page sing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you really like don't miss out on this book um, because uh, yeah, it's uh, if you if you're a fan of uh, Mad Max or Mulan or The Handmaid's Tale or The Hunger Games or even Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. you will love this book. So uh, definitely don't miss out. Um, this question is not in the list that I gave you. I'm just going to throw this out there, and and if you don't have a clear answer, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I know you already written Scout the you know you've already yeah. done the mini series. You've completed. Are we going to be revisiting this world probably within the next year or two? Is that somewhere? Um, well, so I, I've written, so Scouts Honor, it's a five issue mini uh, and, and I'd written a distinct beginning, middle and end. Um, right now there's no plans for a sequel, but you know, I mean, the book just came out um, and I, at least for me, it certainly uh, went well above expectations. Uh-huh. Um, if the demand is there and Aftershock wants a sequel, I have, I always write with an idea in my back pocket. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so right now there's no plans, but you know, if a lot of people start beating down the doors at Aftershock, um, that could change. Okay. Right. So now we're going to move on to your next book, which yeah. is, correct me if I'm wrong, the title of it is Grand Death Astro. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of book that's been a long time coming. Um, we announced it through Top Cow. Um, mm-hmm. um, I believe it. it oh, sorry. I think of 2019. Okay. Um, and, Oh, sorry. 
Uh, yeah, we announced that uh, through Top Cow, um, I believe it was the summer of 2019. Okay. Uh, so it's been a long time coming. Uh, we're just coordinating uh, on the art side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but the book is already written. Um, actually, I actually finished the, the last script um, shortly before quarantine. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, super fun book. Um, I've likened it to Fast and the Furious meets Back to the Future mm -hmm. uh, with a little bit of Star Wars thrown in for good measure. Um, it's, it's, it's set in the future where people race spaceships uh, for uh, profit and pink slips. They're called Star Chasers. And Hakeem Henriksen is the fastest Star Chaser in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is he, he has built an experimental quantum supercharger mm -hmm. and he tests it in the middle of a race. And <laughs> as a result, it rips open a wormhole that throws him seven years into the future. Mm -hmm. And so Hakeem, who's used to being in first place, is now sort of stranded in a world that's long since left him behind. Yes, And so he's going to team up with his uh, formerly younger brother, uh, Omar, mm -hmm. who has kind of grown up to become sort of a fearsome crime lord. And they're going to go on a faster than light heist for a piece of technology that could send Hakeem home. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's been a really fun book. Um, I'm so excited for it to come out. Um, it, 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 you know, it's my first foray into like hard sci-fi. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Scouts Honor kind of like straddles that line a little bit, but um, this is uh, this is a super fun book, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I I'm confident that it'll be worth the wait when when the art is complete. Oh. Um, I don't have an ETA in one that will be at mm -hmm. this point. Um, you know, artist Jordi Perez has been uh, uh, in high demand, mm -hmm. um, doing work over at Dynamite and Boom, and uh, his book in Vault, Queen of Bad Dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of coordinating and figuring out sort of his schedule and how, you know, him sort of chiseling away uh, one page at a time. Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's been making some, some good progress on it. And uh, once we've sort of gotten to a critical mass of pages, then we'll be able to kind of figure out where we stand the mm -hmm. schedule. Yes. Um, but yeah, so far so good. I, it's been a fun book to write. Um, you know, it's, it's very much a book about sort of, um, there's a little bit of sibling rivalry in the oh. mix, but it's really about competitiveness and mm -hmm. how it can blind you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not to, not to, not to be glib, but you know, to think of like Ricky Bobby, you know, where he says, "If you're not first, you're last." Mm -hmm. um, that is a mindset that can really blind people mm -hmm. and can really kind of cloud your judgment. And um, you know, at the same time, there's also this danger of looking back, mm -hmm. sort of yes. romanticizing the past, yes. and maybe figuring out that the best way, the best direction to move is forward. Mm -hmm. um, and so we get to really play with a lot of that, with a lot of sort of. You know, if you like the Italian job, if you like Ocean's Eleven, if you mm -hmm. like that's serious, um, a lot of sort of these high speed heists. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's a really fun action book that's got a real uh, a real beating heart to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm thrilled with it, and I can't wait until it comes out. Yeah, because I'm going to say I I can't wait for it either, because I, like I've listened to other <laughs> other interviews you've done. It's like the OZ. I'm like going, this sounds great. You know. Um, and like I mentioned before with Spencer and Locke, when I first read it in, you know, uh, comic shop news, I'm like, oh my God, this is great. I want to read this stuff. <laughs> there's, there's something, you, say, you know, different books, there, there's, there's, they feel different when you get the green light. Um, you know, Scouts Honor, it was one of those things, it felt so, it, it, like, I was so tense every step of the way mm -hmm. that by the time that the thing got greenlit, I was just like, okay, like, I, I knew there was nothing else I could do. I had already gotten a log line approved and an outline approved and a first issue script. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, I hope they take it. You know, um, if not, I guess I'll put it in my back pocket. 
but books like Astro, books like Spencer and Locke, books like the OZ especially, um, it's a there's a different feeling um, because you know it's sort of like scaling the mountaintop a bit. You know, like I had to assemble my whole team and I had to finance the project and I had to sort of you know uh, uh, you know be the guy calling all the shots mm-hmm. and it's it, it's really nerve wracking. It's really anxiety inducing, but when a reader sees it, I'm sorry, David, it can you repeat that again? Okay. And when the viewer, oh, oh yeah, I said, I said when, when reader, a reader that anxiety and dread okay. suddenly kind of transmutes itself mm-hmm. in, into just pure exhilaration. Mm-hmm. And so um, every book has been really special to me uh, for, for, for different reasons. Um, Scouts Honor felt like kind of climbing the mountain of a different sort of mountain range. Mm-hmm. It was sort of making sure that my book was good enough, not just for public consumption, but this kind of higher level of editorial oversight. Yes. Um, whereas books that I've had to sort of ringlead all on my own, it's mm-hmm. just, oh, these are the books that nobody thought would work. Mm-hmm. And I'll make that work. Yeah. I, spite is a very powerful motivator in the way that I write. Um, and oftentimes rejections wind up being the thing that really galvanizes the whole effort for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then I say, all right, like, I'll show you. That <laughs> yes. um, and, and every single one of my books has had, uh, uh, you know, a, a terrible rejection attached to it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think that's been my secret ingredient. Yeah. And even Scout's Honor, you know, that was the result of many, many, many pitches. Okay. Um, and many of them did not make it across the finish line, either for formatting reasons mm-hmm. or for reasons that, you know, Aftershack had another book like it, yes. or, you know, it wasn't the right fit. Yeah. And I think that made Scout's Honor going across the finish line all that much more satisfying is because now I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of, that's really kind of killed the last vestige of imposter syndrome I have now because I know I can operate at this level. I can step up to the plate and I won't choke that. Mm -hmm. Um, One more question before we start looking into your future and also other fun questions. Is there any any other works you want to promote right now? Anything upcoming? Because I know we talked a little bit about some stuff. Sure. Well, you know, yeah, well, you know, Spencer and Locke, of course, and Spencer and Locke too. Um, Going to the Chapel is a book that I think flew under a lot of people's radars. Uh, the OZ, you can buy all uh, all four of those books on the OZ's backer kit store, the OZ comic backer kit.com. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I've got uh, some fun shorts coming out. Um, I've got a one shot with my uh, Spencer and Locke collaborator, George Santiago Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Roxy Rewind. It's, yes. our, it's my first uh, uh, dipping of the toe in uh, the superhero genre. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an idea I've had for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nightmare Theater Horror Anthology just wrapped up its Kickstarter. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be ways to buy it outside of the Kickstarter, but I did a short called uh, Die, Die, Danger Ronin. It was uh, my riff on the Power Rangers. Um, it was where the Power Rangers went head-to-head with The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a super fun uh, short that I did with uh, artist Erica D'Urso. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have a short announced relatively soon with artist Chris Sheehan from okay. the Autumnal. Um, we worked on it during, uh, during quarantine together. And so uh, it should be any month now that that's getting announced. Um, and then, yeah, 
beyond that, you know, I've just been, I've been kind of hard at work at my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been gearing up for more pitches for Aftershock, oh, but okay. also, um, you know, I'm working on a couple horror pitches. I've been on a real uh, horror bent lately. It's the one genre I haven't done a whole lot in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a lot of different twists on, on the horror uh, genre that I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, working on Spencer and Lock 3, um, sort of slowly but surely chipping through all of the research that I have to do of reading all of Peanuts and all mm-hmm. of Garfield on top of all of Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been the right kind of busy. Um, I, I've got a laundry list of at least a dozen high concepts right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, if I can write, you know, on average two to three of them a year, yes, um, that means that I've got another few years of, of work ahead of me. And that's assuming that something doesn't kind of cut the line the way that Scouts Honor did, mm-hmm. uh, where a publisher just that one. And yeah. I say, oh, I've only been thinking about that idea for two weeks. Okay. Uh, off to the races. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, you know, I've said this in a lot of interviews, but um, I want to be a 30 year man. In yeah. this business. You know, I want to be like the Grant Morrison's of the Dan slots who have, who are there. They are institutions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, create our own work is the way to do it. Um, I would love to do licensed work. Don't get me wrong. If the big yeah. two come in, you know, I'm, I'm happy to answer. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's something to be said for developing your own voice as mm-hmm. a creator and also making sure that you don't think you can run before you can walk. Um, you know, the big two, and I think I've, I've learned that a little bit with Scouts Honor, even having worked with big two editors mm-hmm. is um, it's a, it's a faster process. It can be a much more chaotic process. The communication mm-hmm. can be challenging. And if you don't have your feet under you, that's a really easy way to screw up. Yes. And ultimately, I would much rather stay in the minor leagues and put out my best possible work than, than have my eyes be bigger than my stomach and put out work that is not up to my standard. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, like, and this is the worst thing to say as somebody who's like promoting a comic, sales numbers don't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Reputation does. Um, yes. My rep is the only thing I can bring with me from book to book. Yeah. And so I think, I, I, I stress myself out a lot about how to make my books and how to be the, how to put out the best possible work I can, even if it's not necessarily the fastest possible yeah. work. And um, so I think, you know, continuing on this creator on path and making mm-hmm. sure that every book I do stretches a new muscle mm-hmm. and sort of makes stretch myself as a creator, then I can sleep at night. It mm-hmm. does, the sales doesn't, sales numbers don't matter to me. The, the, even the reviews and the acclaim, uh, those don't matter to me as long as I feel like I have tried something new. Yes. Um, you know, comics, nobody's going to have a, nobody's going to bat a thousand in comics. If I stay in this industry long enough, mm-hmm. you know, the survival rate will, will always hit zero at some point. I will, I will put out a bad book someday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it's not tomorrow. I hope it's not next month, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like I will go down swinging mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. I will treat every book like it's my last one because mm-hmm. um one day it will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, um, you have, um, I, don't, I don't know how to put this in better words, but you have a solid head on your shoulder. Like, like you said that, you know, it's the quality of the work that matters to you the most. And sorry, I'm going to brag for a little bit because when I interviewed Howard Mackey, you know, just, you know, it was a short interview. One of the things he started to joke around with was he was going, I am not responsible for the Spider-Man clone saga. <laughs> and then he said, 
I hope that's not going to be on my tombstone when I die. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. he was joking around about it, but it was like the the clones, the clones, the Spider-Man clone saga was like thirty years ago. You know, and yeah, it it it's uh, exactly. I mean, it, it you know, the comics industry has a long memory. Yeah. Um, and 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 in that regard, I've been really fortunate. I mean, the fact that we we're talking about Spencer and Locke, you know, not a lot of writers still get to talk about their first work, their work, especially in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you know, the response to that book has been almost universally positive. Yes. Um, but yeah, I you know I, it's funny that you say I have a good head on my shoulders. I feel like I, I'm my mother's an economist, and I feel like the world's worst son of an economist for being in the comics industry, but. Uh, Honestly, I've tried every stable job. You know, I've worked in journalism. I worked yes. in corporate job at, mm-hmm. at CBS, and I, I worked as a Hollywood assistant. And mm-hmm. you know, I did those jobs and I learned from those jobs. But yes. I don't know if I was built for those jobs. You know, this is a job that I feel like I'm built for. Yes, it's a job that I feel like I could actually be good at. Yes, and I, you know, there are plenty of times where where comics is an entity. I'm pulling my hair out, but comics is a job. This is the best job on the planet. I get to have things up for fun and profit. Like I get, I, I not only that, but I get to see the most talented in the world mm-hmm. drawing my ideas. Yes, it is. It is the best job in the world. It, I, I, you know, it's it's like coming into Willy Wonka's factory every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try not to forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I think. Um, you know, and I remember all of my old hard jobs. And don't get me wrong, comics are probably the most challenging job I've ever done. Yes. But it's also the most fulfilling I've ever oh, done. Oh, yeah. And um, it feels like running a marathon every time I, I've, I've done a script. But mm-hmm. you know how good it feels when you've done, when you've finished a marathon? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, I think, really kind of keeps me hungry. Mm-hmm. It keeps me ambitious. It keeps me from kind of, uh, from, from getting too comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. In the way that I do think, I'm always thinking about how do I reinvent things, and I'm always looking at who else is putting out work and seeing mm-hmm. what can I learn from it. Um, because, yeah, there are a lot of people who are more naturally talented than me. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a fact, you know. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm always putting in the reps. I'm always putting in my hours. I'm always trying to sort of earn my place. Yes. Um, and I feel like. You know, I have to hope that, like, the more that I do this, the more doors will open, the more opportunities will show themselves. Yes. But, you know, the moment you get complacent, mm-hmm. that's when that's when karma comes out to get you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, uh, I, I always want to kind of keep trying new things, and and it keeps me from getting bored too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps me, it keeps my mind sharp. Um, and uh, yeah, I like I said, I want to do this until they wheel me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, by by taking kind of these weird esoteric swings, it's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. I'm really fortunate that the people who have responded to my work, um, they've stuck around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've 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 promoted my work. They've told their friends to buy it. They've told mm-hmm. their shop to order it. Um, you know, journalists have have covered my work when they certainly didn't have to. Especially in a week where six future state titles came out, a yeah. new Star Wars book and Eternals came out. Yes, the fact that honor got the traction that it did is a testament to the fan base that i built mm-hmm. um and i can't even you know what that is a bad way to phrase it because i didn't build anything it's it is the fan base that has so generously kind of come together 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I owe it to them mm-hmm. uh, to, 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 to try my best. I don't, I, I said this in my Twitter thread the other day is um, when you buy my book, the thing that I owe you is the story and me telling that story to the absolute best of my abilities. Yes. Um, whether or not you dig the story or whether or not I stuck the landing on it, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, like I said, you do this long enough, you know, you know, even your favorite writer is put out and done. Yes. Um, but uh, I feel like as long as I have sort of left it all out on the field, mm-hmm. I, and I like sleeping. So yeah. uh, I want to make sure that I can still do that. And so uh, I try really, 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 really hard to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm not compromising on the work. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'm going to mention to you is that <clears throat> before we get into the fun question is, <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. All your jobs has led up to, has helped you with this. Sure, absolutely. You know, the journalism, you know, the working, the P, especially the PR part, because when I've listened to the other interviews that you've done with um, John Suntress, yeah. and I can't remember the other podcast top of my head, is that when you're talking about Scouts Honor, you always had the, uh, the uh, previous code. You've, you've yeah. always gone that extra step to go, hey, when you go to your shop, tell them this code. Yes. Because, and, 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 and different creators, you know, have their styles of how to promote their things, and, and that's their style. But I think yours is, is one step better because at least you're giving them a preview code because if all I remember about Scouts Honor is that, okay, I'm going to go to my comic shop. It's that, was it that Boy Scout mm-hmm. comic? And then if the comic shop owner has no idea, they may go to, is it Black Badge from Image? Yeah, or Lumberjanes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, first off, you, thank you for the opportunity for me to alley-oop and say that issue two's pre-order code is DEC for December 2011-33. But yeah, I mean, this comes from being in the Action Lab trenches, is that my biggest fear was that our sales would be so low that we'd get canceled. Diamond would say it's not worth our time to distribute it. Mm-hmm. And so there's always that little degree of fear um, where I'm like, I have to have enough sales that Diamond would carry this uh, because otherwise I spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of heartache on a book that no one will see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen, I was, I won't name names, but I, I, I was a little scared straight when I first put out a book because when Spencer and Locke was in previews, there was a book from someone I knew Mm-hmm. Their sales were low enough that the book got canceled, and they only were like an issue or two in. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified that yeah. that would be. Um, and so I, I, I always want to leave. Like I always want to keep talking about the book and always trying to get some buzz about it because, uh-huh. uh, yes, failure is not an option. In that mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely a hundred percent. Every job that I have done, yes, has wound up paying off massively down the line and in ways that I never expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Gaiman used to be a journalist and he talked about how like being a journalist was like really helpful for him uh, wow. and how it sort of, it, it made him stop being afraid of word counts and deadlines. Mm. Uh, and I, I feel the same way. The way that I would tend to write mm-hmm. in a newspaper as well, I, I write pretty modularly, you know? And so, you know, if I have a scene where I'm like, I like this scene, but it doesn't fit here, you know, I kind of sand off the beginning and the end and then I, put it somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, you know in the same way with sequels as i say all right i if i have you know eight inches to tell this story 
this is what the story would be. But if I happen to have like another like six, mm-hmm. that's what I tell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly, yeah, like Neil Gaiman, like, you know, it, it, I'm no longer afraid of deadlines and I'm no longer afraid of like the idea of writing a book can be like kind of daunting when you think like it's a book. Mm-hmm. And I, at this point I've written so many articles that like, I'm just like, yeah, you just, you, 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 you it's the beginning and the middle and the end and mm-hmm. think what you do. Um, like, like I said, I think my job at CBS um, was huge, mm-hmm. uh, really important for me. Um, you know, things like, you know, for example, why is the Big Bang Theory, you know, why was it one of the highest rated comedies week after week? It's not mm-hmm. like the most sophisticated show out there. I wouldn't even say it's like the best show out there. Yeah. But it was super accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they would sort of lead into it, you know, with more established shows until it kind of picked up, you know, had its feet. But the important thing about the Big Bang Theory is you could put, if, if, if you had your TV on right now and it says, next up, Big Bang Theory, even if you've never watched an episode, you can watch that and know what's going on. The mm-hmm. bar for accessibility is so low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of pop culture takes for granted. Mm-hmm. Is that they sort of, they do the long serialized storytelling, which is great for, for the diehard fans. It keeps fans invested. But if you don't have like a good entry point for people, mm-hmm. it becomes impenetrable. You know, you wouldn't want to start Mr. Robot at season four, for example. Yeah. You want to binge that from season one. And when you do binge it from season one, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm trying to always kind of straddle the, you know, how do I make this as high achieving as it can be, but still make it that like, okay, if you didn't read Spencer Unlock issue one mm-hmm. and you checked it issue two, mm-hmm. you'd get the best. Um, you know, and, and, um, that is something freeing, especially about doing miniseries yes. is that like, you know, you can still do that. Like mm-hmm. granted, I wouldn't want you to read Grand Theft Asteroid issue six, Yeah, but like if for whatever reason that was the issue you picked up, oh. you could at least follow it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think so often, especially in serialized storytelling, you know, exposition's hard. It's, it is the biggest pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is, the, it is one of the single hardest things that I have to write on an issue to issue basis, because how do you explain what happened in the last few issues without repeating yourself mm-hmm. without, you know, being boring and being like a dumb info dump. Mm-hmm. Um, and so CBS was really hugely important for me in that regard. Um, and I, I give it a lot of credit as well. You know, like the structure of the job gave yeah. me a lot of time to kind of like noodle around on ideas because it was very much a hurry up and wait job. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would be days that I would be like drowning under press releases and drowning under breaking news for all the different shows going on. Yes. And other days that it would be like crickets. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I, would, I would put out like two press releases in a whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that alone was sort mm-hmm. of really fertile ground for me saying, all right, do you want to do this or not? Because mm-hmm. this is the best time you're going to be able to start. Let's yeah. just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you just have to get restless enough to, like, move. Mm-hmm. And CBS, for better or for worse, that's exactly what it did. Yeah. And even, uh, you know, my, my time as a Hollywood assistant, while I, I was not there for very long, I was only there for maybe nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really kind of helped me learn the lay of the land very quickly, uh, mm-hmm. figuring out representation and how that works, mm-hmm. uh, figuring out, you know, how do things get optioned, mm-hmm. uh, building my own connections to Hollywood out here. Yeah. Um, it's been very helpful for me in terms of, you know, um, 
adaptations of my work, things like, you know, I can't talk too much about it, but like Spencer and Locke, you know, we are working on an ad- adaptation of that now. Yes. And while like, I can't talk too much about it because of like NDAs and just the craziness of, of COVID in Hollywood right now, mm-hmm. um, we would not be, have been able to get the ball rolling in that project if I didn't live in LA and hadn't met a bunch of people while working as an assistant. Yes. Um, and that kind of has helped me, you know, figure out, you know, getting my own representation, for example, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm, you know, I'm repped by a manager that I really like. And but if I hadn't, if I hadn't worked in a management company before that, I wouldn't even have had the vocabulary to do that. Mm. I wouldn't have known what, um, a, what a query letter looks like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so all of these things, and this is something that, you know, anybody listening to this who wants to be a comics professional and feels like, Oh, like, you know, it's too late or I've done all this other stuff. No, I take it from me. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times that I really thought to myself, like, what am I doing here? Like, how is this going to, you know, how am I going to use this at all Mm -hmm. down the road? And you know what? I wound up using all of it. Yes. Um, And so, uh, you know, my, my, my career trajectory was not a straight line. It was definitely a zigzag, Mm -hmm. but, um, I almost kind of shudder to think what would have happened if I had just gotten it immediately. I think I Mm. would have burned out a long time ago. I Mm. would not have been ready for it. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes you need to spend your time in the wilderness um, before you're sort of ready uh, to to climb the mountain. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to start wrapping things up a little bit. I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to wrap it up with a couple more questions. Drew asked, do you have an LCS? Yeah, um, I usually split my time between Golden Apple Comics and the Comic Bug. Um, those are sort of my, my, my local stores here in, in LA and they've been super supportive of me. But um, yeah, there's tons of other great shops that have been super supportive. Um, there's uh, uh, Graham Cracker Comics in Chicago. There's mm-hmm. uh, Atomic Basement in Long Beach, uh, the Fantasy Shop and Star Clipper in my hometown of St. Louis. Um, uh, Forbidden Planet. Sorry, David. You're kind of your comics. Kind of, uh, uh, Mile High Comics, um, okay. and I want more comics. Um, in, oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, Mile High Comics, and I want more comics in in, in the Colorado area. Um, yeah, just just to name a few. Um, but uh, yeah, my my local home bases. Uh, I usually split between um, uh, Golden Apple and uh, Comic Book. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, what are you currently reading right now? Oh boy, um, stuff that I'm reading right now. Um, Jonathan Hickman, the, the X Men line, um, that's gotten me through quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I've, I I want to be Jonathan Hickman when I grow up. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the data pages actually were a big influence on Scouts Honors uh, uh, Back Matter. Okay, uh, those in those books. Uh, Al Ewing, um, you know, uh, is just he keeps leveling up year after mm-hmm. year. Um, Sword is just terrific. Okay. Um, and, and same thing with Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I reading? Um, just caught up on Seven Secrets over at Boom. Really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, reading Crossover by Donny Cates over Image. Uh, Department mm-hmm. it, it, it is terrific. Um, yeah, and then just kind of catching up on, on, on some of the, the, the older stuff. I was reading uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Inc. recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, his JLA run. I, I usually read that annually. It's some, it's some of my favorite uh, comics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those are the ones that are 
coming to mind right now, but I know I'm going to kick myself later after this interview with a whole bunch of books. Oh, the autumnal. I forgot about that. Red Fork over at TKO was uh, incredible. Alex Pacnadal just killing it over there. G.I. Joe at IDW. Um, uh, Paul Aller is a, a writer that everybody sleeps on and they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Sea of Sorrows uh, by my buddy Rich Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no Heroin by my friend Frank Gogol over mm-hmm. at uh, Source Point. He's got a new book, Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job. I believe that's uh, either coming out soon or Final Order Cutoff is coming up soon. Um, so yeah, just lots of, you know, reading stuff from my friends, but also just kind of like the aspirational figures yes. um, and just kind of seeing what I can learn and also just seeing what my buddies are up to. Oh, okay. All right. And then um, let's see. Um, any restaurants you want to promote? Because I know you live in LA. <laughs> you know, if well, someone, when all this pandemic is over and they're in LA and go, where can we go in? Yeah. Well, I want to pour one out for um, uh, El Coyote, um, uh, which just, uh, just closed down um, just temporarily. They'll be oh. back at some point. Um, 11 city diner, same, same thing. Uh, I want to shout out my, uh, my local pizza chain in St. Louis, uh, Emo's pizza, mm-hmm. um, uh, the square beyond compare. Um, they, uh, I keep trying to see if they'll sponsor a comic book writer out here in LA. Uh, no response yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, those are sort of the, 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 the places. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like super basic, but like, you know, I wouldn't be able to write all my books without my local Chipotle. I mean, they, those guys fuel me up every single day. And like, they know my dog now, like they, they're, they're, they're sweet people. So yeah, that's what I'm going to shout out the, uh, the, the Chipotle on Wilshire. Um, you guys are the real MVPs around here. And then, um, I know you just got a new puppy. Yeah. Ruby. She's sweet. Um, yeah. For those who, who've been following my, my social media for a long time, uh, uh, we adopted my, my parents' dog, uh, pup, or my, my dog's terrier, Holly, um, right around when Spencer and Locke first came out. And, and she passed from Sorry, Cam David, you're freezing up. Shortly before Locke. Um, all right, um, let's see. I, I was just saying, um, we took in my parents' terrier, Holly, um, right when Spencer and Locke first came out. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she unfortunately, she passed from cancer uh, just before the lockdown. Um, we, we had taken her through about nine months of radiation from melanoma. Um, and uh, so it was tough not having a dog through pandemic. Um, but thankfully, we, we picked up a new dog from San Diego. Uh, her name's Ruby, um, and she's uh, four months old. Uh, she's a little Tasmanian devil. She's super sweet, super scrappy kind of learning the lay of the land. Uh, you know, she, she grew up in a farm in Jabul, California, um, and now is in a two-bedroom in L.A., uh, but she's very sweet. She's litter box trained, so she's a prodigy. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't bring her on the podcast because she gets very territorial when I do podcasts, mm-hmm. and she gets really mad when I'm, she sees I'm not paying her attention, and so she starts growling and biting. And <laughs> um, But, yeah, she's a... Uh, you know, she, she, I needed a writer's assistant. Uh, I'm really glad with the one I have now. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's a, she's a, she's a sweet pup who, um, uh, gets very, very mad every time I come to the office to do something like this. <laughs> and then correct me if I'm wrong, because I follow you on Twitter. Yeah. You also have a cat too, right? No, uh, my, uh, my brothers both do. Oh. Uh, my brothers both have cats. Um, uh, out of, out of the triplets, uh, two of them now live in Los Angeles. Um, so, uh, one of my brothers lives down the street and he's got a, a, ta- a, a cat named Rocco. Okay. Um, my sister is a little bit further South. She does not have a pet, but then 
my other brother in San Francisco has a, a, a cat named Terry. Mm -hmm. So you might've seen photos of that because we yeah. uh, brought all them together uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, sort of a socially distanced Thanksgiving with uh, the, all the siblings and all the pets and none of our parents. Um, and uh, yeah, Terry is my, uh, my other brother's cat. Short for terrified because he does not like uh, any of us. Uh, and he hid under a bed for the entire weekend. Um, so yeah, um, no, no cats for me, but um, Ruby does have enough litter boxes for, uh, to make up the difference, for sure. Okay. One last question before I wrap it up, and this yep. question is from John Meal, and we, I think um, we've already, so um, I know you already answered it, but I just wanna ask it for John is, what is one of your past works you would recommend to a new reader to check out? If you only read one of my books, Spencer mm -hmm. and Locke, Okay. Um, that is, that is the book that is, that was my bucket list book. Mm -hmm. That was the book that I didn't know if I'd get to write another comic. So I threw in everything that I knew that if I, that was all I had ever written, I could die happy. Mm -hmm. And, um, I still feel that way. It's, um, it's, it's still a top selling book for me. Um, I can usually move through about 60 copies in one weekend at every show I do yes. four years after it came out. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, uh, if you only pick up one book, uh, pick up Spencer and Locke, but I would just counter that question with why stop at one, uh, <laughs> buy them all. Uh, I, I got a puppy, to, I got a puppy to feed, um, and kibble don't come cheap. So, uh, yes, buy, buy, buy all of them and maybe buy some for your friends and family, maybe even your enemies. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, why not? Uh, I'm a comics writer. I'll take all the sales I can get. Um, let's see. Um, oh, you know what? Let me just go with this other one question yeah. from Drew before yeah, we finish up. Yeah. Um, it's been a challenging year for everyone, and comics were no exception. Mm -hmm. Do you have any predictions for the comics industry in 2021? Boy, if I did, I would be a lot richer than I am now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, I think there's so many variables in the air um, just with, like, the state of the world and, mm -hmm. you know, the state of the country. Um, you know, hopefully we won't have any more COVID related shutdowns that I think is kind of like the big concern. I think, um, you know, the industry has been pretty conservative as far as their acquisitions process since COVID, you know, there's a lot of work that's been bottlenecked and so they're staggering it all out now. Um, you know, I, I think more creators are going to go, uh, doing stuff on Kickstarter. Um, I certainly will be staying on Kickstarter, uh, for the OZ and future projects, um, just because it's, it's, it's a wonderful community and it, it, it makes the financials of making comics so much more viable. Mm -hmm. Um, beyond that, you know, I think it's, it's, it's anybody's game at this point. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I think, you know, it depends on how things go over at Marvel and DC. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how's future state going to play out over there at DC? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's up with sort of the, the, the growing rivalry between image and boom is sort of who's going to be supreme in the creator owned space, but also checking out, you know, sort of the, 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 the one rung below of the indie scene, which is very vibrant, you know, places like aftershock and vault um, and TKO um, and scout um, you know, just to name a few places. Um, so I, I think everybody's kind of figuring out, you know, how do they shake off 2020 as best as they can. And so I, I, I don't know if there's going to be any shakeups going on, you know, especially the corporate owned places, there might be more layoffs and that might sort of change the game a little bit. But for me, I'm sort of, 
it's the thing that I said when the pandemic first hit, which is sometimes it's there's sometimes it's it's too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's only so much that I can navigate, and so I can tell you for me in 2021, it's um, you know I'm going to be telling more, I'm going to be writing more books, mm-hmm. I'm going to be. I'm going to be pitching as many places as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be doing more anthologies. I'm going to be doing uh, more Kickstarter campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, the OZ will return probably in March. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Hunt for the Silver Slippers. Um, so that'll be a really exciting uh, mm-hmm. second installment, double size, just like the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm just excited to you know see my friends, you know, getting more work. Uh, you know, Paul Aller with uh, Hollow Heart. Uh, my, my pal Danny Lore uh, just was named uh, writer on Champions over mm-hmm. at Marvel. Uh, super well-deserved. Um, uh, yeah, Rich Duke with Sea of Sorrows, just killing it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm really thrilled, um, you know, with seeing my friends succeed. Um, I finally start, I'm feeling like, oh, I'm part of a certain class yes. of comics people. And watching them kind of ascend has been really satisfying to watch. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, no, I wish I had my crystal ball. Boy, it'd make this a whole lot easier. Um, I think for 2021, it's just going to be grit my teeth and ride it out and just hope people respond to uh, Scouts Honor. Hope people respond to my next few projects coming uh, down the line. Mm-hmm. And um, beyond that, just keep writing everything like it's my last. David, thank you very much. Before we wrap up, where can people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at PeposD. It's my last name, first initial, or David Pepos Comics on Facebook. You can visit my website, davidpepos.com, or you can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. Okay. All right. Um, David, you know, again, I'm going to say, you know, mahalo. Thank you for your time. That was my interview with David Pepos, the writer of Scout's Honor from Aftershock Comics. I want to give a big mahalo to David. David, thank you very much for your time um, to you know to um, sit and talk with me about not only um, some of your past works like Spencer and Locke, but also too um, about your new comic, Scouts Honor. Scouts Honor number one just came out um, recently last week. If it's still in your if it's still at your LCS, I encourage you to pick up Scouts Honor number one. I've read the first issue. I love it. You know, um, there's so many layers in this, in that, in, there's so many layers in this post-apocalyptic story. And, and that's what I love about it. Scouts Honor number two comes out on February 10th. Scouts Honor number three comes out on March 10th. And the previous code for that one is J-A-N as a Nancy 211049. Again, the previous code for that one is J-A-N as a Nancy 21149. So if you you know if you already pick up the first ep- issue and you want to continue reading on this mini series, you know, that's the previous code for the um to order for the um, issue number three. As I'm wrapping up um as I'm wrapping this up this episode up, I want to give a few um, shout outs to a few people that helped put together this special episode. The first big shout out is to John Mayo. John from the Comic Book Page podcast, thank you very much you know, for helping me um, to do a Zoom test run to make sure that, ev- that I'm doing everything correct and so forth, you know, all the little technical details. So, John, thank you very much. 
I also want to thank Kyle and Drew for letting me contribute to um, your podcast. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you very much, Drew. Drew is the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit. Um, Drew, thank you very much. You're the one that's doing all the heavy lifting of, you know, um, cleaning the audio, putting the episode together. So, Drew, thank you very much. If you are a new listener to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, new episodes are released every Saturday. So, you know, I encourage you to please, you know, check out um, this podcast every Saturday. It's a lot of fun. I, I really, I really like it. It, you know, again, it's it's all about fun and it talks about the love for comics. And lastly, I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. Until next time, guys. Aloha.